makes you such a threat. We choose the right to be who we are. We know the difference between the reality of freedom and the illusion of freedom. There's a way to live with Earth and a way not to live with Earth. We choose the way of Earth. It's about power. Joshua. Greetings and good day and welcome, my relatives. I shake your hands with a good heart. This is the voice of mirth. It's good for all of us to be here. Today will be a good day. Wake up now, relations. You're listening to First Voices Radio on Teokas and Ghost Horse and sending you greetings and strength from the highlands of the Osopus, but in the lands of the Muncie speaking Lenape. This is an all-native hosted, all-native produced First Voices Radio. And Liz Hill is the producer of First Voices Radio. You can hear us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout, Spotify, as well as First Voices IndigenousRadio.org for archive, downloading, and listening. First Voices Radio, Pilama Yapi. We appreciate you all for listening. So when an elder speaks, listen to him or her carefully. I sat listening to them. What you are about to hear is recorded on another radio program that I hosted back in the year of 2000. This is a very important interview with an uncle, Alexei Russell Charles Means, born in November 1939 and lived till in October 2012. He was an Oglala Lakota activist for the rights of Native Americans, libertarian political activist, actor, musician, and writer. He became a prominent member of the American Indian Movement after joining the organization in 1968 and helped organized notable events that attracted national and international media coverage. Beginning an acting career in 1992, he appeared on numerous television series and in several films, including The Last of the Mohicans and Pocahontas, and released his own music CD. Means published his autobiography, Where White Men Feared to Tread, in 1995. He was given the name Wambli Ohiteka by his mother, which means brave eagle in the Lakota language. So this is from the archives, way back in 2002K. 
And the question that was posed is to what was patriarchy and how is it being used and mis misinterpreted in even its own system in the Western world and how he has coped in his life with various strains of thought, with history, with his experience as a Lakota man and a Native person in general. And coming from that controversy that many people hold him to be, he did move history. But in general, Native people who really understood the angst of those times, I'm sure you'll understand why he says the things that he does during this interview 23 years ago. Now it's called First Forces Radio. Then it was called Primal Minds because it was another part of the country. And so I want you to join us here. And this is Lexi Russell Means. On the line now, we have Russell Means, who is uh, an Oglala Lakota, who was born in Pine Ridge Indian Reservation near the Black Hills. And, uh, and as a young man, you know, Russell was involved in, and still involved since the late 60s. He became focused and put his energy into fighting for Native Indian rights with the American Indian, Indian Movement, and he became the first national director of AIM. And for more than 27 years, more than 28, 29, 30, well, my opinion is Russell has been involved all his life with Native uh, rights, uh, human rights, uh, natural rights, and uh, this is Russell Means, and he's traveled extensively throughout the world while working for over 12 years with the United Nations. And uh, in 1991, Russell began his career in, in Hollywood, and uh, I like a statement that he said about, you know, we brought AIM, or Indian people, to Hollywood, and uh, Hollywood vice versa, to put it out there so we get more exposure and things. Russell, welcome to Primal Minds. This is Tiokasen. Thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you for having me. Um, last year we were in uh, New York City and we went to the Indigenous Peoples Conference, Women's Conference, and you talked a lot about um, uh, how men perceive and have perceived women throughout time, especially as a Lakota men you know, and your experiences with that. I would like to start off with how you, and you seemed to me that, you know, I don't, I, is it correct that I call you an elder? That's fine. I'm, okay. I'm in my 61st winter. Okay, 61 winters. That's a long time for me, it is, you know. And I'd like to say that um, as, a, as a Lakota myself, coming from Cheyenne River, that, you know, a lot of the people, a lot of the thoughts that you have put out there, I have followed, have listened to, I have thought, and I've turned it upside down to, to, to hear, you know, like anybody would, to listen for the truth which is there. And I want to say that as, as, as a Native person from this country, that there's a lot to be learned from, from people who have been through that experience such as you have. So I would like to ask you, as an Indigenous male, as a Native person, a Lakota, you know, how would you address Native men who have grown up in the white world and once have gone and trying to be Native in that, in that sense, and how they have been treating women? Do you know, you know where I'm going with this? No, I don't know where you're going, but I know what I'd say to people who have been growing up in the white world and are following and are still living there. I'd say goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> um, 
you know, living in an urban situation is like swimming upstream in rapids. Eventually, you're going to become exhausted and give up trying to swim upstream, and you're going to go with the flow. And look at our powwows. They're gone with the flow, you know? Mm. It's, um, it's part of the colonization process we've suffered under for more than 100 years and plus. It's part of the, um, the poor me, the victim, the loser attitude that we have as Indian people, that uh, the only place we can gain recognition is from the white man, the white male. Not the white woman, the white male. The white woman is only an extension of the white male. And uh, because he comes from a patriarchal system, patriarchal system, the world over, whether it's Islam, Hinduism, Buddhism, Zen, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, all of these patriarchal systems are structured. Number one, they're structured the same. And I'm talking about uh, theologically speaking. The theological structure is the same. But the patriarchal, the main thing about patriarchal systems is that it is a fear-based society. Everything in a patriarchal society is fear-based. First of all, they fear their God. Second, they fear each other. They fear the unknown. They fear women, so they have to control women. They fear men who are different than them, so they have to control them. They fear men who believe different than them, so they have to attempt to control them. That's why you have wars. That's why you have violence. It's a fear-based society. That's why they started building moats and castles and forts and fences. It's to keep out the fear. That's why they go after riches. So they insulate themselves against the fear. They get all this money, all this material gain. It's only to insulate themselves from their fears. It's a fear-based society. They fear the people whose slogan is to uh, protect and what else? To protect and serve. To serve and protect. Those cops, anyway. The police, they fear them. They fear the firemen. They fear everything. They fear the bank. They fear their credit card. They fear the government. Um, they fear their car. Name thing. They, they fear the next business. So they try to destroy that business. They buy either buy it out or destroy it. It's, it's, it's a, a society that's, a, that's bent on the, and built on the logic of self-destruction. You know, patriarchy rears its, its, its ugly head over 6,000 years ago. Every patriarchal system that has risen up has, has done the same mistakes, the same mistakes, and then they go, go away. From the Ming Dynasty and the Mongols to Japan to India and the Maharajis to the Middle East with their, uh, their sheikhs and, you, and their emperors and their sultans to the kings and queens of Europe, etc., uh, Russia, Scandinavia, and to the presidents and, and legislators of the Americas, um, and the generals. Everything is, they repeat the same mistakes. The Ming Dynasty, Byzantine, uh, with the Greeks, Roman Empire, the Third Reich, the Nazi Empire, the, the British Empire, 
the Soviet Union, all of them self-destructed. And now the, the last empire left in the patriarchal history right now is the United States of America. And it's making the same mistakes over centralization. Business is making the same mistakes. And, and that's why in a world where there's enough money for everyone, there isn't. In a world filled with fear, and it's not going to change. It's only going to get worse. Now, we Indian people, we're not losers. We're not victims. The Bureau of Indian Affairs isn't our oppressor. The Catholic Church isn't our oppressor. The Mormon Church isn't our oppressor. You know, we are our oppressor. Because we've accepted colonization, we've accepted American apartheid. Again, I'll bring you back to look at the powwows. You know, they've raped my culture. That's a Plains Indian culture. Anyone not from the Plains that is dancing at powwows and dressing up at powwows is a Plains Indian wannabe. And for that, go back to your own songs, your own dances. Validate yourself. Quit being a victim. Quit trying to pretend and play house. You know, when I was a little kid, my cousins used to get me in and I used to play house. I'd be the daddy and my cousin, she'd be the woman the mother and our younger siblings and cousins would be the children and we'd play house. Well, that's what Indians are doing today. They're playing Indian. Mm. You know, it's almost as if they watched too much TV and movies and uh, went to the video store too often. Look at the powwows. More is, is better. Bigger is better. That's a white man concept. There's, you know, Indian people have always been had their societies based on simple elegance. Simple elegance. You look at a powwow dancer now, and they're full of trashy stuff. It's full. It's, it's, it's an embarrassment. It's an embarrassment to my culture. The way they dress up and they paint themselves like Kiss and the circus clowns now. No meaning. It's, 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 it's unconscionable what we're doing to ourselves as victims. And we're, and, on all, and we're dressing to respond. You know, I used to joke around about 10 years ago that I was going to make myself a, a neon fancy dance outfit. <laughs> a neon. And have neons around the feathers and all of that blinking neons. And on one side of my that uh, the headdress, the roach, they call it, in, in our language, is the Pesha. Uh, I'd have it blinking on one side. Visit Mount Rushmore. And the other side, I'd have uh, Buy Skull. <laughs> you know? And, uh, and that way, it would pay for my trips to all the, you know, selling the advertising space on my neon Indian outfit would give me... Uh, Travel money to from powwow to powwow, see. <laughs> and then, and I'll bet you a hundred to one that comes in. You know, if you notice the low riders, they have all those kind of neon. They're working neon into their cars, etc. That's going to hit the Indian outfits here pretty quick. And we're going to have nothing but neon Indians dancing, dancing at powwows. Hmm. It's uh, it's abhorrent. We've become missionaries. You know, we're selling our culture, and we're selling our religion. You know, just like the white man, 
religion. You know, you got medicine men in cities now. You got medicine men going on in the world. That's impossible. Mm -hmm. That's impossible. But that's because we're victims. That's because we're colonized. And we will we refuse to recognize oppression. We refuse to recognize slavery. We refuse to recognize repression and suppression. We refuse to recognize the Bureau of Indian Affairs for what it is. We refuse to recognize our churches for what they are. We refuse to recognize ourselves for what we've become. You know? Red niggers. Nothing but red niggers left on the doorstep of white America. And, uh, and that's because we've forsaken the most important ingredient in our lives. And that's the woman. The matriarchal way of life. The matrilineal system. Everything we know about women has been eradicated from our conscious mind. It's still in the families, the Indian families today. You still have vestiges and remnants of the matriarchal system. The Indian women are strong. You'll see it in Indian men. They'll sell out Indian men who go off and marry white, white women. You know, they're used to uh, matriarch being risen in a matriarchal home. And so when they acquiesce and show inherently, not consciously, but subconsciously, they're showing their acquiescence and respect towards the woman. The white woman who does not come from that, they come from a patriarchal, they all of a sudden, what drew them to the Indian man, that gentleness, that quiet, that patience, all of a sudden now becomes wimp. He's a wimp. He's not a man. He's not strong, you know. He, he doesn't show emotion. Uh, you know, he shows too much emotion. He shows the gentle side. He's, he's like a sissy now that I'm married to him. And they don't know how to utilize the matriarchal way of life and what the man inherently has, the Indian man. You see, we still have these things. It's called DNA, but it's fast being eroded. And, and, and the woman is in the universe. The woman is the earth. The woman is throughout all of life. You know, my grandfather, told me a story. He said, a long time ago, the people were sitting around the fire. Pretty soon, the men began to watch the women grow a child. And as they continued to watch, they witnessed birth. The creation of life come from the woman. And then they saw that new life they just created, taken into their arms and nurtured and, take, and fed at their breasts nurtured at their breast, and they saw the baby begin to grow big and strong. End of my grandfather's story. I was five years old. And he told me that on the Yankton Sioux Indian Reservation on the banks of the Missouri. And <clears throat> that story stuck with me. And the fact that I've been taught that in the universe there is a female-male balance in the universe. And if you look out throughout all of life, everything that life teaches the Indian people, the indigenous people of the earth, there's a female-male balance. 
then we men, as we were building our societies, we, we, we stepped back and we took a good look at the woman and, and we realized, hey, women live longer than men. Duh! <laughs> so what we want to do then is follow the female. We want our lineage, our descendants, our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, etc. We want them to follow the line of the woman. Because when we leave, it's going to be the woman who's left. So simple fact. And you know, Indian men still do that today. And you know that from all the old people. When they married a, a woman, not from their village or from their res, they went to that res and to that other village where the woman's from. Because women live longer than us, we want our children and our wives to be around her friends and relatives when we leave this earth, we men. They should be comfortable among her own friends and her own relatives. So that's the clan system was born. In my language or our language, Teoshpai, it's still the clan system. And we follow the woman. And the woman, you know, and, and, and then all of a sudden there's two things that women have that we're not blessed with. So we even had to create ceremonies for that. In all of the universe, and on all of Earth, there's only one species of life that the universe has chosen to honor. Fully. And that's the human female. But the universe cleanses and purifies the woman after every 28 days. And it's manifested through the moon, the full moon. Every woman knows that her, her purification cycle will get in sync with other women who live in close proximity with her. But when you have, live in a small village, and I know this, because I come from a red, and I also come from Yellow Thunder Camp in the Black Hills, where this was also a phenomenon. But the women in small villages not only get in sync with each other, they get in sync with the moon, the universe. And it's manifested by that full moon. And that's when their time of purification comes. It's the height of their power. Now, we look at the life of a woman and we see that, boom, overnight, the universe changes her into a woman, from a girl to a woman. She goes through that change of life. And so we have a ceremony to honor that in every indigenous society. Later in life, she goes through her second change of life when she becomes into full bloom, full blossom. White man calls it the change of life. But he denigrates it. He, he feels that women, the, the, the patriarchal societies, the men in patriarchal societies feel that when, once a woman goes through her... Um, her second change of life, she's now throwaway material. She's no good. But indigenous societies, first of all, we recognize that women have an inherent power. Not only the inherent power to create life within their bodies and then to nurture it when it's outside their bodies, but that inherent power of, of heart and mind, that they can see things and feel things that we cannot as men. And after they go through the second change of life, that becomes 
a full flower, that power, that power of them to foretell things, to feel things, that things are going to happen or things aren't right. You know, the white man calls it intuition. We know it also as the sixth sense. It is a sixth sense. It's, it's a power. In our language, the translation for what happens to a woman uh, and, and, and what she possesses, it, it really means power. And so, she has this power. Now, us men, we're not purified, naturally, like the woman. So we had to devise ceremonies of purification. We had to devise ceremonies of entering manhood. Women already have it, both of them. We have to devise ceremonies in, in a society where we can gain wisdom, because women have it. And so we put the woman in the honored sense, in the honored place. In the indigenous societies, the home belongs to the woman. And us men, we're, we're guests in her home. That's why we go live where she's from. We, we are humble. We are humbled by the presence of a woman. And our responsibility is to protect and to provide. Provide love provide protection, provide fatherhood. And our fatherhood begins with conception. It doesn't rest just with the, you know, patriarchal societies. Fatherhood allegedly begins after the baby is born into this world. Not in our culture, the indigenous people of the Western Hemisphere. It begins with conception. And we have a responsibility for the first quadmaster the first three months we have a responsibility for the second three months for the third three months and for the fourth three months i know i have lived that with my last two children my older children didn't get the benefits because i didn't know man i had to go out and find out you know i'm not a victim i'm not a loser so i am an indian what makes me lakota what makes me oglala and yankton what makes me crow? I've got crow blood. What was our societies like? Why is it that our language has no words that mean war? Because matriarchal societies, you ask any mother, any responsible mother from any culture around the world, not one of them wants to see their sons go off to war. There isn't a mother in the world who wants to see her son have wars. Guess what? We did not have wars. We have no word for it, so therefore the concept isn't there. It's non-existent. It's non-existent. And once we Indian people, and we're no different than the history of the human race on this earth, we wondered for a time until we got our spiritual direction. And once we got our spiritual direction, we became matriarchal. And therefore, we literally and figuratively had heaven on earth. There's no evil. There's no evil on earth. There isn't one living thing that is evil. Ask any mother after she's given birth and she takes that baby in her arms. Ask that mother if that, if that little baby, I don't care if it's a Christian mother, ask if that little baby is evil, born in sin, and will go to hell because it won't be baptized by some man. It's the, the ridiculousness of a patriarchal society is just that. It's just pure ridiculous. It's crazy. It's the ectomy. It's, it's a life of living backwards. So if you want to start, if you really want to be Lakota, if you really want to be an indigenous 
sovereign person in the United States of America, Canada, Mexico, Central America, South America, then you realize who you are. You find out. You go and find out. And the hell with white man education. The hell with his approval. In fact, he can go to hell because he created it. We know nothing about it. And you find out your beauty. And then you can live free. You can live sovereign. You don't have to get his permission to win a basketball game, for instance. You don't have to get his permission by getting a piece of paper to be married or getting a piece of paper to be divorced or getting a piece of paper to drive a car, getting a piece of paper to exist. I'll tell you what Crow Dog, old man Crow Dog, Henry Crow Dog on the Rosewood Sioux Indian Reservation, for years, uh, once a week, the local Catholic priest would come over, try to convert him, try to convince him. They'd talk, they'd talk about spiritual things. And finally, Henry Crow Dog, after years of this, he got tired of that man coming over. So I figured he'd, he'd settle it. So he told the priest, he said, let's go outside. He said, bring your Bible. I'll bring my pipe. He said, see this fire? He said, I'm going to throw in my pipe. And you throw in your Bible. And the one that survives, that's what will follow. Well, the priest left. Didn't come back anymore. So there's something to be said for our wisdom. There's something to be said for our way of life. And we do not need anyone. You are listening to First Voices Radio. My name is Teokson Ghost Horse. We'll return to you soon with the second half of Russell Means' interview from the archives of First Voices Radio in the year 2K or Y2K or 2000. Land of the pronghorn and buffalo.
land of cedar, aspen and pine. Land of the eagle flying on high. Land of the pipe, medicine wheel. There's a new Larry Long with the album Run for Freedom, the song Sacred Black Hills from 1984 in association with Rock the Cause Records. Of course, Larry Long being a longtime ally of the Native people. So now we return to our second half of First Voices Radio and the interview with Russell Means, circa 2000, actually cassette tape. Did what I could to enhance this, and um, I think it's just part of the process that goes with showing you how things in time eventually erode, but the energy's still there. So I want to hear that behind this radio program, First Voices Radio, because it's never going to be like perfect. And what is the content within? I think it's the best. So listen, uh, you know we can disagree and agree and. Not everything Russell Bean says is some things, right? And then take the ones that we really can see through ourselves. That's what it is, and I'd like to welcome you back to First Voices Radio. I'll continue on with Russell Means telling you about who he is and who he's comfortable with. Russell Means. So you have to understand who you are before you can call yourself what you do. And the only way we can remain a distinct people, otherwise we're all going to become allies. That's our teacher. We call it the dance order. Foolish attraction. That's all we're learning up to become. Because we're waiting for his permission. His permission for us, for us to live. And he's not going to, he's not going to teach us who we are. He doesn't even know who we are. He knows nothing about matriarchy. We do. Look at our mothers. And our grandmas. And our great grandmas. So, I feel good about who I am. I'm not perfect to make mistakes. I still slip into arguments with my beautiful white girl. And as soon as I slip into it, I catch myself and I try to get out, man. Before, you know, before I destroy myself. You know, I told my... My four, he was 14 at the time, or actually he was 12. He was arguing with his mother and I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you the same thing. My dad told me, I didn't listen to my dad, I hope you'll listen to me. I said, but you don't argue with women, because you'll never win. So 
what do you mean? I said, well, you might think as a man you got the last word. But seven months from now, or maybe a year and a half from now, your mother's going to say, do you remember on March 7th in the afternoon, about 2.30, when you said such and such and this and that, and you won't remember. So you see, she got the last word. At any rate, that was what I was trying to impart to my son, my dad's wisdom and, and my people's wisdom. You know, if you go among the indigenous people in Central America, like I was among the mosquito, you'll still see that. Matriarchy in full bloom. We had a meeting of all the mosquito leaders, all the men. And they were talking about their war with the Sandinistas. But after the meeting, we went out into the village and sat in a circle with the mosquito villagers and there was a matriarch, big woman, big elderly woman. And then the final decisions were made. So, I witnessed that and I saw that and it was, it was beautiful. I remember the meetings that we used to have on the Pine Ridge back in the 70s. When the men would get up and say their spit things and there'd be discussion and then finally at the last, the elderly women would speak. This summer at Porcupine, South Dakota, same thing, same kind of meeting. The elderly women sat over there in the back, listened attentively. Towards the end of the meeting, they got up and spoke and brought some truths. Listen to this wisdom. We were trying to foment an independence movement on the Pine Ridge Sioux Indian Reservation. Become a free nation. Make a long story short, we split up in different committees, and one was the Constitutional Committee. And these elderly women were part of that, along with the young lawyer, young Indian lawyer, other educated Indians. And I could see them over there, really going to their meeting. And anyway, after all the committees had their meeting, we got together. The Constitutional Committee, where these old women were at, they had chosen one of the old women to be their spokesperson, to give out what they, what our con new constitution was going to be. And she got up and she says, well, after uh, a few arguments, we decided we already have a constitution. It's the seven spiritual laws the white buffalo calf pipe woman brought us. That's our constitution. <laughs> I loved it. Yes. We don't need to be exactly like a white man, have a written constitution. We don't have to do anything. 
For eons, we lived in a matriarchal society in peace. For eons, for millions of years, as my uncle, Lexi Matthew King, used to say. For millions of years, we lived here before the white man came in. And, uh, and we've got our constitution. We don't have to cross any T's or dot any I's or get any lawyer. We got the seven sacred instructions. You know? That's our constitution. So I want to thank you. We are talking with Russell Means of Oglala Lakota, a leader, a natural-born leader, as people would say out there in back home in the Black Hills area. Russell, I'd like to thank you for joining us and um, expressing your freedom to us and those expressions of freedom. And uh, it's been an honor. Thank you for joining us. Um, it's my honor to be on your and, uh, indigenous program. Indigenous. Uh, we need more of these, don't you think? Oh, man, we'll take it over, eh? Oh, yeah. It's ours anyway. Yeah, the air is free. Yeah. So far, anyway. So far. They're selling it by, by a square foot in New York City, by the way. <laughs> I believe it. It's like a million dollars of a square foot of airspace so they can put their skyscrapers up. Yeah. yeah. Got it. All right, look, uh, Russell. Doksha Ake, watch me. Uh-huh. Watch Plum you. Doksha Ake. Russell Means. What we're going to be doing is going to a little break here on KAOS Olympia 89.3 FM in Primal Minds with Yokes. And we'll be back with Judy Gobert of uh, Blackfeet Nation, and she works for the Salish Kootenai in a human genome diversity project, which is DNA and patenting of native, indigenous native uh, genes so that they can come up with a salvation point mentality of the superhuman to save all you humans out there from your destructions of yourself or of Mother Earth or something like that. And uh, technology has no wisdom. Just uh, look at the word. Tech, no logic. You know, the United States and Britain today agreed, not today, but as of March 14th, they agreed to, to openly share data from ground-breaking projects and that decode human genetic patterns. Um, they, they say they're going to develop new medical cures and preventions. And they've been saying this for, for uh, I'd say, about 15 years now, and uh, they haven't come up with one single, single way of preventing any disease or curing any disease from their research. They've only come up with certain innuendos that imply that superiority belongs only to the privileged in a privileged class, the 5% that it can afford. But also to extend it beyond, which we'll be talking with Judy Gobert, she knows more about this. She's been studying this, is uh, well versed in the, the science and the philosophies of uh, what had been happening with uh, indigenous peoples. And uh, that, you know, something to be said also is the way that we indigenous peoples are looking at how how we are colonizing ourselves again and coming into saying uh, this is how to be Indian according to the white man so that we can get along with the white man and because um, either 
either some something in us is saying we're appeasing our own blood or appeasing our own words or something like that. Even I, I totally get into it all the time, just opening my mouth, sticking my, my foot into my mouth and um, saying some things that aren't completely all there, like anybody. And maybe that's because I'm talking English. Because when I talk Lakota, it's, it's not. It's far from being able to manipulate so I want to say that much, and uh, we'll go to this break, and uh, we'll be right back. Thank you for joining us here on Primal Minds. folks a version yes 23 years ago right out of a place called olympia washington in between new york and whatever station you're listening to now in the current first forces radio then it was primal minds before that it was and before that it was exposing the apologetic predator a little history tour and i started out with view from the shore exposing the apologetic predator primal minds first forces indigenous radio and now first forces radio so it's just a collage of errors and valid points set in place by Russell Means. And my thoughts, even that time at 23 years ago in 2000. So, yeah, stick around here. We'll be right back. This is First Voices Radio. My name is Tio Kasing, Ghost Horse. <laughs>
Hey, that's Alabama Shakes with Don't Wanna Fight off a 2015 album. Sound and color genre is alternative. Hey, it's good to hear you and see you and know that you're out there listening to First Voices Radio. Again, I want to thank you for joining us this time. And, you know, we'll be back again next week. Same time. Same channel. I hope that you've been enjoying First Voice's many facets of listening, hearing, and delivering messages, interviews, news, views, everything, and in between. The community mess-ups, the professionalism, the unprofessionalism, the good guests, not-so-good guests, the better programs, the not-so-better programs, but it's all part of being a human here on First Voices Radio. I want to thank you again as you reach out, as we reach out to support your community radio station and your favorite programs, but also the community radio station that you hear this First Voices Radio through their airwaves in your local area. And if you're driving and you've heard First Voices for the first time, go to the First Voices Radio and put it in those words and it'll come up in your website and you can download or broadcast just about anything just to hear maybe something you haven't ever heard before but thank you again my name is Tio Kusin, Ghost Horse